important this is adiket and i host the evening show on 94.3 radio 1 and me along with fabian sir getting you politics for dummies where we understand politics then and now we understand politics right and left so what are you waiting for put on your headphones and strap on because you are going to have a ride of your life welcome joining us today is mr fabian Welcome back to a very special episode of Politics for Dummies. Joining me is Fabian. We both are in Delhi, safe and sound. Uh, Fabian, I, I, I forgot. I asked, have I asked you? This? Did you get both the jabs of the vaccine? I did. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Nice, very nice. I've got one jab. Waiting for the second one. Uh, Fabian, we completed ten episodes of Politics for Dummies. How do you feel about that? I feel very cool. Yeah. I get. Uh... stopped when i do my morning walk and people tell me that they have listened to our uh, program nice and then i get mails from north america from youngsters saying that they have been listened so listen we are doing something right yeah we are doing absolutely right so when you started with this podcast how did you feel did you feel a little weird or were you happy were you excited were you nervous I was excited, but I don't know whether I was nervous because I've got a another podcast program which has ah. got about fourteen thousand uh, followers. Wow! Aren't you a famous man already, Fabian? <laughs> okay, now uh, listen. We've got we've got a brand new episode, and we've got the special episode, and this is for all of our listeners because we went ahead and put it out there. Ki hey, listen. Uh, anybody has any question about politics that they want to ask uh, fabian and i are definitely going to try and answer as many as them uh, we've got five questions for the day so uh, uh, fabian let's go ahead and answer these please all right so the first question is uh, voltaire said if god were not there it would have been necessary to invent god would you say the same about diplomacy if diplomacy did not exist it would have been the necessity of the art to invent it absolutely because without diplomacy the world cannot move and let me tell you diplomacy starts at home as a kid at least i whenever i wanted anything from my dad well i asked him but quite often i went through the intermediary that is mummy <laughs> because he can't say no to her so he might you know if he's in a hurry and this and that you know so diplomacy starts at home and kids know how to play you know between mom and dad true correct yes so diplomacy is the art of getting what you want but in a nice way 
without using violence, without using violence either in words or in action. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's a question of resolving problems based on the faith that human beings are rational. Okay, good. We understood that. So diplomacy is the mother of all conversations. If you're not diplomatic at the right place at the right time, you might just get seriously injured mentally or physically. I don't know what's going to happen, but something will happen. Now, uh, another question that we have, something related to diplomacy. How was international diplomacy dealt with during the pandemic? Well, uh, I'm afraid international diplomacy could have done it better. Okay. Because, you know, diplomacy also involves transparency. And in the case of China, there was less than transparency. Yeah. When China communicated with the WHO, World Health Organization. Organization. Diplomacy also implies taking the right action at the right time. Mm -hmm. The World Health Organization moved very slowly. True. It uh, declared a pandemic on the 11th of March, by which time more than 4,000 human beings had died. And uh, there were more than 114,000 infections. Okay, so that is one part of it. Secondly, okay, the pandemic has occurred. I mean, then it could have been prevented, but anyway, it has occurred. Okay, you can't go back in time. Yeah. Now comes the question of vaccine. And other help, not only vaccine. You know, when Italy was having daily deaths of 800 eh, in last year and sought help from European Union, the response was deafeningly silent. European Union. Okay. And as an Italian undersecretary of public health said it, well, when it happened in China, we thought, well, it won't come to us. And when it happened in Italy, the rest of Europe thought it won't come to us. Okay. Now, this doesn't show a concern. Okay. Then comes, uh, let's go to the vaccine. Yeah. Now, what is happening is that there is a shortage of vaccine globally. But along with the shortage, the advanced countries, I mean economically advanced, the economically advanced countries are having or they have ordered a huge number of uh, excess doses. Yeah. Open Union with a a population of 375, I mean adult, eh? adult population. They have got about uh, 560 million excess, which they would not need, either with them or ordered. And you know that the United States has got 80 million AstraZeneca which they are not going to use. And we just heard that uh, they are going to dispose of 25 million, out of which 2 to 3 million will come to India. Now, why is it taking so long? So, as regards vaccine, I do not think the rich countries have behaved responsibly. And as of now, some countries in Africa say Kenya. As of now, with business as usual, only 1 in 10 Mark my words, one in 10 will get the vaccine. Answer. And India, India took the lead in telling the uh, WTO, World Trade Organization, let us do away with the intellectual property right trips. Yeah. 
yeah. trade related intellectual property temporarily, you know, so that uh, you know we can make more vaccines. Yes. Well, United States after a while supported us, but the European Union are standing in the way and it's not moving. Though more than one hundred countries have supported India and South Africa. Yeah. So there is a moral, what shall I say, poverty. True. All right. All right. And that hurts. That really hurts. Yeah. For once, uh, don't look at money. Look at human beings. Now, uh, we've got more questions here. Here's a question. And this is a little trip back down in the memory lane. 1588. Um, this is a question which says that what would have happened if Spain conquered Britain in 1588? Well, uh, Aniket, this conversation would have been in Spanish. <laughs> very true, very true. Me gusta, me gusta, yeah. Now, let me take you back to 1588. Philip II was the king of Spain, mm-hmm. but he also had Portugal, the Netherlands, and a good part of Latin America. Yeah. Okay. back it was said that the sun never set in his empire yeah and for this so called spanish armada you know it was the navy plus the army which he had sent he had spent 7 million pounds whereas the annual income of elizabeth queen elizabeth the state income of england was 2 million pounds can you imagine the difference yes but two things one was that there was a wind strong wind which uh, helped the english and secondly even more important philip ii had a problem he had spent time in england as the husband of mary tudor okay and he thought that he knew everything about england so he planned everything by himself without listening to professionals military professionals or diplomatic professionals so the plan was a little flawed so that is what happened and then 1588 31st of december 1600 east yeah. india company got the royal charter yeah and rest is history rest is literally so history it, it, it wouldn't have happened if if spain had won there you are. okay okay um, one more thing one, one more thing sorry for that there is a book can you see it yes i can see what uh, if yeah it's a very thin book <laughs> what if by robert cole c o w a e y you should read it for the next class all right i will try to complete the syllabus as much as possible um now moving on here's here's another question that we have it says why should we obey the laws of the land we just so happen to be born in it without having a say in the formulation this is a wonderful question like i was born into this country i wasn't there when rules were made so why am i supposed to follow the rules that's a good question Okay, very good question. First of all, when you are born, you are totally helpless. <laughs> Correct. Yes. The human baby is more helpless than other babies in the animal kingdom. Okay. So, you need your family, mom and dad, 
they alone can take care of you. Now, there are other moms and dads and other babies. True. Okay. Now, this I should take you to again, this 1588. I'll tell you something else which happened. Okay. Thomas Hopes, the great philosopher, his mom was pregnant with him. And she got so scared of the Spanish Armada that uh, he was born before time. Okay. Thomas Hobbes, the great philosopher, was born before time because of the Spanish Armada. Okay. Now, he, in his book, The Leviathan, he speaks of the state of nature when there were no laws, the point you are making. Yeah. Okay. So everyone had to fight for himself. True. Now, does it make any sense everyone always fighting for himself? No. Therefore, people got together and they asked the Leviathan, the king, okay, please take over and give us governance. That is how it started. I mean, of course, it is not a historical account. It is more a philosophical account of what happened. Okay. Okay. So unless we are born into a situation where there is a society and there are laws, there are roads, okay? We cannot construct all of them in no time. True. So it makes sense. But then don't forget, in a democratic setup, we can change the laws. Those of us who are lucky to be born into a democratic setup can change the laws. Yeah. To start with, you have to start with the laws that you have. Good. That's that's a brilliant answer. And I hope Everybody realizes this and follows the law of the land. Otherwise, you'll be kicked out into the sea. Um, now, this is this is a very uh, simple story. And this was one of the most asked questions. Uh, a lot of youngsters who were not born back in the day, we really don't know what really happened uh, in the Kashmir issue vis-a-vis India. Okay? So, having said that, Let's just help us understand the flow of events, what led to what, and what happened. Just factual, historical sentences. Let's start with that. 1947, the Independence Act passed by the House of Commons. Now, the Act said at that time there were 562 princedoms in India. 562 princedoms in India, including Jammu and Kashmir, including Travancore, where I come from, that is part yeah. of Kerala. Okay. Junagadh in Gujarat, Hyderabad, Nizam. Okay. Now the act said that these princes could join either the dominion of India or the dominion of Pakistan or they could remain independent. This is the British policy of divide and quit. True. Okay. Now, there is a wrong belief that India was divided on the basis of religion. I say wrong belief because, (laughs) you know, all the Muslims did not go to Pakistan. Yeah. Nor did we ask them to go. India did not ask anyone to go. Okay. While Pakistan was created on the basis of religion, if you want to say that. India was not created on the basis of religion. Secondly, Jinnah's theory 
two-nation theory was contradicted by world history in 1971 when Pakistan, based on religion, split apart Bangladesh. Okay, now coming to Jammu and Kashmir, the king was a Hindu, okay, the Maharaja. Now, he wanted to be independent. Okay. Okay. So he hesitated, you know, what to do. But Jinnah wanted him to join Pakistan. Okay. Jinnah made him offers. We will look after you and this and that. Now, also Junagat. I'm giving the larger picture. Junagat, there was, you know, the prince who declared that he wanted to join Pakistan. He was using the legal. Well, then what happened? The people revolted. Okay. He had no common boundary with Pakistan. Eh? Yeah. Well, yeah. the sea is there, of course. Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? He left with his uh, dogs and the royal family. He was the one who conducted the marriage of his dogs in a, in a very lavish way. <laughs> okay. okay. And then there was the Diwan, Diwan who was Bhutto. That is Sulfikar Ali Bhutto's dad. Okay. And the Diwan asked the government of India to take over. Okay. Formally, government of India took over, but government of India arranged for a uh, plebiscite. Okay. And people overwhelmingly voted for being with India. And then, of course, Nizam, he was wanting to be independent. And yeah. the government of India had taken the line. While it is true that the prince can sort of sign the instrument of accession, well, it has to be endorsed by the people. Otherwise, Nizam will declare himself independent first and then join Pakistan and there will be chaos. And India always had a democratic approach. So all this was going on. Then came the question of Kashmir. Pakistan sent in a mix of armed tribals and commanded by the Pakistan army. Okay. So as they were approaching Srinagar, the Maharaja got worried. Earlier, Pakistan had cut off supplies. Okay. Okay. Maharaja wanted Indian army to go there. Then India said, well, you first accede. Then he acceded. And Mountbatten, the governor general, in his reply said, Yes, we accept accession, but there will be a checking with the people later, later. Okay. Then army fought. The aggressors were beaten back. But at some point, you know, they were still there. Then India took the matter to the United Nations. Okay. Okay. And the United Nations passed a resolution saying that there should be a plebiscite. But before that, this is very important. Before that, Pakistan should withdraw its forces entirely. Okay. okay. Total. India may read some forces for law and order. Okay. Okay. But Pakistan decided because it was going to lose the referendum. So Pakistan decided not to withdraw its forces. Okay. So you have the line of control. And that is where we are. I don't want to take you to Shimla talks, you know, Mrs. Gandhi and all that. Okay. But basically, it is a problem created by Pakistan unnecessarily. I repeat, unnecessarily. Okay. 
can't we blame the white people for this again little bit because in the security council at times they made it part of the cold war oh meaning cold war between the united states and the soviet union and pakistan in fact pakistan the british agreed to pakistan also because they thought they will get facilities there in the context of cold war that is what it is okay security okay. council did not do a good job okay Did the Security Council ever do a good job? Let's start from there for doing a good job here. No, they did not. Okay, so these were the top five questions which were almost non-controversial that we could answer without being, you know, beaten to death. Uh, but uh, if there are more questions that people genuinely have, we can always send you a DM and answer those questions. All you have to do is send those questions at HT Smart Cast. Uh, it's on Instagram or DM it to me directly on my Instagram. That's Radio Aniket. But that is Fabian with us with a brand new episode, a very special episode of Ask Me Anything. And this is what happened. Fabian, thank you so much, and I'll see you in the next episode. Well, I have enjoyed every moment. Look forward to. All right. See you. This was a Radio One production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.